Hi, sci-fi fans. This is Saul Rubinek. You know me from Warehouse 13. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now your hosts, Scott and Miles. Your table is ready. Live long and prosper. This is the captain. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 182. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And good evening, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. Hello, I'm M. Sierra Garcia. And it is awesome to be back. We are fresh. When I say we, I should say Miles and M are fresh back from shore leave. Can't wait to talk about that in a little bit. How's everyone doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um... I got a hug from Anna Tapping. I can die now. Yeah. Yes, you can. <laughs> and, 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 and I think you feel the same way. Oh, my gosh. I, I tweeted it immediately. And Miles t- Miles turned like two shades of pink. It was precious. <laughs> nice. Nice. Miles is still has not washed his shirt in the con. <laughs> uh, well, and my hand. I mean, I, I shook her hand earlier. Right, think. right. His hand. He has his hand in a bag. Mm-hmm. You know, like in Zoolander when David Duchovny has that that little... Airtight hand cast he has. That's what I have. Yep. He has that on right now. I want. I want that to stay there forever. Yeah. Uh, there's DNA from mm-hmm. Amanda tapping on the hand. Got right. It. My friend Colin wrote to me and said, "I'm so jealous." And I said, "I called him and I said, do you want me to hug you so that you can get a hug from Amanda tapping by proxy?" And he said, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> that works. It works. It works. So uh, well, let's. Uh, uh, before we get into shore leave, this is kind of. Started a whole new uh, as a chain reaction for you, Ab, because you like signed up for every single con. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Yeah. I mean, we we talked about New York Comic Con, how you're going up there as press, yep. and uh, but there's another one you just got accepted as press into. Yes, um, Baltimore Comic Con, which is coming up in September, September seventh or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then coming up in Maryland is Intervention, which is an internet convention, which is all about all things geeky and interwebs. Excuse me. So that's cool. Um, and then I am hoping in October to head to Seattle for Geek Girl Con because uh, how could I not go? <laughs> right, Just right. from the name. I judged it by its cover and I deem it totally yeah. acceptable. So who's going to be at Baltimore Comic Con? Well, um, I mean, Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> Kevin nice. Smith and Jason Mewes. I really don't have to mention anyone else. Right. You know, right. There's there's some amazing uh, comic book people who are going to be there. Too many to name. Um, there's a couple of great artists, um, colorists, and it's it's. I haven't been. I've I've heard a lot of great things about it, and it was. It, I'm not going to lie. It was Jay and Silent Bob that drew me there. But when I saw the list of guests, it's it's. It, I think it's like 50 different people from the comic book and graphic novel world. So epic, 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 epic. Yeah. And how about um, you said intervention? Anyone uh, there that's would be familiar to our listeners? 
Intervention. I know that if you're from the if you're a friend, if you're a fan of Jonathan Colton, you'll know that Paul of Paul and Storm will be there. Okay. Um, there will be again some really great artists from the comic book world, the graphic novel world, musicians, just pretty much anything interwebs. They're there. Um, I'm sorry, I'm not prepared, or I would have pulled no, the list. That, that's fine. Putting you on the spot. And how about uh, I'm going to ask you about Geek Girl Con. Anyone there that's kind of drawing your attention as you? look at going so there's a couple of of female bloggers and and geek divas that i've just started learning about and they will be there the guest list hasn't been posted as of yet but i think they're working on that um and it just seems like such a rich opportunity as i read their blog just a really neat way to get the ladies of the sci-fi world, of the internets, of the creativities all together. Um, I love the concept. It's a new, it's a fairly new con. And if you're in the Seattle area or can get to Seattle, I can't, I, I can't recommend it enough. And I haven't even gone yet. Right, right. And you, uh, and you get to meet them, you know. Well, you get to meet awesome people, and then you might see me going, "Oh my god, awesome people!" Yeah, right. right. Well, you know, and uh, you know, if these were uh, any anyone we can land interviews with, that'd be great. I need these cops. Oh, sure. So. I feel like you're Lois Lane. You're little Latina Lois Lane. Me? No, I do. I oh. feel like a like oh. I like for the sci-fi diner. I'm the little Latina Lois Lane out to get a story. Out to get a story. That's right. If I find Henry Cavill and you don't hear from me again, you'll know I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all right. Uh, I'm fine. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> talking about Henry Cavill, we have some uh, news about him. We're going to be talking about a little bit later on. So, so awesome. Well, I can't wait. And are you not going to infect Scranton this year? I think. I'm going to put a pin in that because I need to figure out the timing wise. I know that we were, um, I was going to go with the folks from HG world, um, uh, and, and hang out with them. I know our friends from ZCon are going, um, it's, it's still a big question. Um, not a, well, not big. It's more of a moderate question of timing and, um, yeah, yeah, I I really would like to go. It was a blast last year. Um, it was just, it was done in a high school. Right. I mean, what better (laughs) way to throw a zombie con than holding up in a, in a, in a, an abandoned, well, not abandoned, but for the weekend, abandoned high school with Humvees out the front, you know? (laughs) Nice. Nice. Well, I don't know if uh, I know that uh, I need a dialogue with them. I don't know if I'll end up going there. I might be able to convince my wife since I kind of missed every con this year, it feels like, uh, that I might be able to go. So we'll see. And here's tonight's menu. Well, why don't we go ahead and move into our menu tonight. Miles, tell us what is on the menu tonight. All right. We will announce the uh, winner of the, our last trivia contest. All right. And we have our interview with Jeff McCarthy from Relic Worlds that we're going to be sharing as well. Mm-hmm. And in TV news, we have um, um, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., five things we learned about Joss Whedon's new ABC series, um, some Dexter news, um, and uh, – the new Doctor Who. The new Doctor Who, uh, Under the Dome, Season 2, and a, a Flash TV series. In movie news, we have um, news about the Man of Steel sequel, uh, some possible um, actors named as, as playing Batman, and um, also a Snowpiercer, 
In other news, we have, um, so it's Bye Bye Mickey, Disney's ready, ready for the next generation. This week's twist, NASA funds a 3D pizza printer. Which and is interesting in the, <laughs> the whole uh, hamburger they kind of bioengineered this week. Kind of. Oh, I didn't even about that. I'll, I'll, I'll right. find out more about that. But, um, and so we get a little bit of Star Trek um, 3 news about uh, who, are the, who are the writers and, and um, possible director. And Sci-Fi uh, 5 of 5 um, thought I could give some of my reflections on, um, on Shore Leave. Top five uh, moments from Shore Leave. Mm-hmm. And M can chime in. Right. So. <laughs> oh, Miles had more opportunity to, to, to feel the shore leave love. And um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I will agree with all of it and anything he could come up with because just one day, I wish I could have been there the whole weekend. Very good. I'm glad you, you got there as much as you, you could, though. Yeah, Yay! Absolutely. So, you call yourself a geek and a nerd? Prove it. Prove your geek cred by answering challenging trivia and entering for a chance to win some awesome prizes. All right, well, let's move into our trivia this week. Now, this is a carryover from a couple weeks ago because people weren't answering it, and suddenly we got a couple answers in. Right. And we picked our winner, but let's refresh for our listeners. What was the question we were asking them we asked, what does Star Trek Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Enterprise, Lost, and Defiance have in common? And um, and there was a code word for that? The code word was Arathian. And what prizes were we giving out that they could have won? Well, we just started out with a Rob Paulson print, but uh, we sweetened the deal. We were going to give a, a Lee Ehrenberg signed print and a Masetta signed print also. And so we, we had two people vie for the prize, uh, but... To be as impartial as possible, um, you don't get more impartial than rock, paper, scissors. That's right. So um, uh, Brett answered the question correctly, and the answer was, uh, if I'm pronouncing her, her first name right, uh, Fianella Flanagan. Uh, she guest starred in all those series. Awesome. But she, she pl- last thing we remember her, she played the retired mayor from um, Defiance. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. she is good. So, uh, but I, And evil. Oh, absolutely. Like but, uh, she's been everywhere. I know, I know. I know. I love her in Defiance. Oh, she's great in Defiance. Right. It uh, was great, I guess. Well, until until she got killed off. But, yeah. But uh, spoilers. That's right. Haven't you watched Defiance yet? Yeah, I watched it. <laughs> so, so I, Sorry. Come on. <laughs> the finale's been over for how many months? We aren't spoiling anything. If you haven't watched finale, it, she dies. All right. But it doesn't tell you anything else. But about she it. has a great she, she has a great story arc though. Yes, and you, and that won't really yeah. spoil it. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, hats off. Lou was able to find the answer in a few minutes on his short phone. So, folks, uh, the information is there. You just got to do a little digging. That's right. That's right. We'll have a new trivia next week or two weeks from now when we share. Um, we'll have to figure out. We have some awesome prize, some awesome loot that we picked up from Shore Leave this year. So right We'll have to share that. Well, let's move into our first promo tonight. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to plug some shows that M, you have been involved in. So uh, why don't we go ahead and talk a little bit about HG World first. Well, we can start by saying that HG World is, of course, a podcast that's kind of a brainchild of Jay Smith. Is that correct, Em? Yes. So HG World is an epic little um, podcast about uh, zombie apocalypse and what happens when the zombie apocalypse happens and everyone holes up in a giant grocery slash 
Price Club slash Costco slash Home Depot kind of place. And the survivalists in the people who, well, not real survivalists, but just people surviving. And um, there's this great radio show within the radio show where Todd Rage is going on and on about the BS with the zombies and how it's the man and the government and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, Perfect That's exactly Keith. how he sounds. Yeah, per- right, right, right. Per- perfect Keith part. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Keith, you know I love you. Yeah. Um, and just the adventures and the toils and tribulations. There's one There's one episode where it, it made me cry a little bit because it involved little kids and zombies. And it was creepy and awful and so awesome. Um, and then there's a spinoff called The Diary of Jill Woodbine. Um, from the point of view of one particular character, and it's it's just delicious. It's it's, it's a great way. It's a it's a story well told. Um, everyone involved in in the voicing of it is incredibly talented. Mike Stokes, who puts it together, has the ear of like Michelangelo. If what Michelangelo could do with paint, Mike Stokes can do with audio. It's fantastic. Um, there's a bunch of great people involved. I'm incredibly lucky to be involved in this collection of, of talent. And, uh, and who do you voice in the show? I voice a couple of people. Um, the one who I love the best is Sarge. She's a sh- former military sharpshooter. We were never former military. She's a retired military sharpshooter. And she has no love for the zombies or people who piss her off. Hmm. It's a real, it's a real character departure for me. Um, she's she's got some badass lines. I'm not gonna lie. Um, and I also play Jenny Jones, who is the corporate figurehead who tells you know a marketing Kool Aid pourer for HG World to make sure she's the one who tries to make sure everyone is happy and understands all the paradigms of how wonderful this company is um, and. <laughs> I'm just waiting for her to get the crap beat out of her because she annoys the hell out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And so, and they are, how many seasons have they done of this already? We've done. Is this season three, Ren? I think so. I think so. I know we've done some remastering. And I know some new stuff has been written, and kind of intermittent has been the gi- the, the diary of Jill Woodbine right. as kind of a supplement for part of it. So that's been, it's really great. If you go, um, I'm sh- if you put the link up, I can't remember the exact link to the site, but we'll throw see it in the, the list. We'll yeah, throw it you'll in the see the list of shows, and and it's 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 a really great listen. It's great for a car ride because yeah. every once in a while you know you, someone will scream and you swerve a little and you got to yeah. pull off to go to Starbucks to relax cause, <laughs> but it it's a great it's it's really a great listen I am not just saying that because I'm a part of it I, I would have listened to it had I not been I listened to season 1 and then for some reason got distracted by something else but it was very well done so make sure you check out HG World and uh and we love the work that Jay Smith has done, and both uh, we we had you we had Jay Smith on when you guys talked about mm-hmm. Effect Scranton a little bit. So oh, I love I love Jay so bad. He's yeah. great, and yeah. he's got some fun stuff coming up in the future. Mm. Mm-hmm. She oh. says with a little hint of ha ha. <laughs> 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 For your first course, the latest in the universe of science fiction multimedia. All right, uh, well, let's move into some TV news, and uh, let's start something out. Let's start out by talking about a little bit 
uh, about something I know that we're all interested in, this Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s TV show, and we learned some things about it. I, I like the fact when I read this article that um, the fact that we aren't going to necessarily get Oh, this week it's another new superhero, a new agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. this week. That there's going to be some continuing story that seems to be bridging this series. That isn't going to just be your hero of the week type of thing. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, because I, I think one of the things I think about whenever they say, like, hero of the week is I think X-Files, for example, became known as, oh, this is our monster of the week episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, on one, and on one hand... That's interesting because it allows you to do some different things with the show. But for those people that loved a higher mythos, uh, a higher uh, mythology to the show, that doesn't necessarily satisfy someone that wants a continuing story in the show. And so I'm glad to hear that there's going to be that, that it isn't just, you know, your monster of the week, which is kind of a throwaway episode, but it's kind of a, these are stories, it's going to be some story arc to the show. I'm just glad Joss Whedon's hand is on this show. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, we know it's going to be good. And, um, yeah, I, I'm just, whatever they decide to do, is going to, you know, as long as, long as he's, his hand is on it. Well, and the fact that, they're, uh, the fact that they say that it's going to look bigger than it is because of the way they're filming it and the people they have involved, uh, it's kind of hopeful, too. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, people are going to be expecting big things out of it because, hey, you know, Avengers, you know, was... Pretty, pretty, big. pretty big movie, and uh, right. right, and so we're expecting some big things. And I don't know the fact that they have Josh, Jed, and what Marissa mm-hmm. involved. That's going to be uh, that's a good writing staff. These are the people that put out Doctor Horrible Sing Along Blog, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty uh, stoked about that. How about you, Em? Anything that kind of well, they, there's two things for me. One, it's not on Fox, so we'll get more than one season. <laughs> And then two, and two I Summer Glau wasn't involved. Just kidding. I know. Oh, I love Summer. She's <laughs> a little pixie. I love her to bits. Anyways, go ahead. Um, so I love that there's a little blurb specific about how Clark Gregg found out that Agent Coulson was coming back. Um, and you see there's a quote here about him, how um, on his last day filming Avengers, the Asgardian impaled him quite convincingly. And he was really surprised at how much he was going to miss the character and the job. And he was very clear that he was dead. But after a couple of months after the filming ended, he got a call from Joss and Joss explained to him exactly how he's alive. And he was pretty much like, yeah, I'm on board. <laughs> very yeah, cool. The answer to that question will always be yes. So. <laughs> Nice. Uh, so I, I, I definitely am looking forward to the show, and I uh, can't wait to see when there's more than just this little trailer, this teaser they put out. There's no, there's no new trailer out. For there hasn't been anything new no yet. New no new spot. Hmm. That has to be coming out soon because it debuts this fall, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So uh, you would think that there's going to be a little bit more on that. And did you put this news on Dexter in? I did. Did you want to talk a little bit about? I can. And I will. All right. <laughs> so apparently there's an exclusive first look at Dexter. Um, there's a spoiler. So just fast forward when you stop hearing my voice going. Um, the return sends Deb into an emotional tailspin. Apparently it's a big deal. It's one step forward and two very emotional steps back for Deb in this Sunday's Dexter when, spoiler alert, Hannah's surprise return leaves the sometimes unstable PI reeling. This is apparently an incredibly big deal 
when I was talking to a friend of mine, one of my friends who watches Dexter religiously, she actually got a little mad. <laughs> Why did you tell me? Because it's it's on the news, yo. What am I supposed to do? So it's supposed to have there's there's a really big pivotal point here. And we'll put the clip on the website. There's a little video clip that came with the article. It's just a little blurb. But when I watched the video, I thought, oh, this is really going to piss her off then. <laughs> she better not watch it. Um, you know, and it leaves people asking, why is she back? And, you know, and should she have been offed? You know, so there you go. That's there my you. little minute on Dexter. Well, should we play the video? Sure. Let's play the video here. I'm going to call it up and we'll just see how it does. <gasps> Spoilers! Yeah, this is definitely going to spoil if you're spoiling it. Actually, if it's, this, if it's this Sunday, this episode will be out just after that, so you shouldn't be spoiling too much. But here, let me just... Oh, okay, well then... Then to heck nope. with it. No spoilers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if we were normal people, Dexter, we would go to the U.S. Marshal Service. We can't do that. She knows everything about me. Yeah, but she didn't talk about you the last time she was arrested. Because she was in love with me. Drugging me and leaving me on the side of the road might suggest that's changed. So what the f- are we supposed to do? There are traffic surveillance cameras. She had to have passed them. I'll put in a request for the footage, get a license plate. I thought this part of my life was over. So did I. The moment I asked you to kill her was a moment that I started to lose myself, and I'm just starting to get back. I don't want to deal with this. I want her gone. Woo! <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Hey, are, are, do, so um, do you watch? Do you watch Dexter? I am new to the Dexter, and I am finding it incredibly creepy and delicious. <clears throat> yeah, this is one of the shows that I think has been recommended to me numerous times to watch, and I have not made the time to watch it. Actually, my wife and I just got into watching Breaking Bad. Okay. And we watched the first episode, and we're like hooked. Mm-hmm. It's one of those shows that now, and I think after ta- talking about the Comic-Con appearance and what he did at Comic-Con, kind of said, oh, I got to watch this. And we watched the first episode, and we kind of like it. <laughs> so, so I'm new to that. Do you watch Breaking Bad, Em? No, I I saw the pilot and it freaked me out. Yeah. <laughs> it was really disturbing and I didn't know if I had the bandwidth to to enjoy it. Right. And it just keeps getting accolades and awards and I mean Brian Cranston is ju- he's so delicious. Yeah. So I I at some point I will. At some point I will. I can't promise. Yeah. Well, we'll just see. I, I, I don't know how far I'll watch it, but, you know, I am uh, at least watched a pilot with my wife, and if we have time, we'll continue watching it. So uh, let's talk about the uh, new Doctor Who. Uh, news of this broke over con weekend. Was there any reaction to this at the con that you saw? Oh, just a little. <laughs> just a little? Uh, so tell me about Miles. What sort of reaction was there? So this is, of course, Peter what, Capaldi. Is that how you pronounce his last name? I think that's right. Um, but I just remember Em and I were sitting at uh, Saul Rubinek and Eddie McClintock's uh, session. And uh, a fan, I think he was, he was in there, said, uh, 
hey, they announced the, who the, new, the new doctor is. Anybody, you know, everybody here? And, you know, well, and... and, and he didn't, didn't really ask. He, you're right. He didn't ask. He just said, hey, this, this, this is who the new doctor is and kind of blurted it out. <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. So people- Eddie was funny about it, though. Eddie was? Go ahead. Yeah, the guy handed him the iPad and said, the new doctor is Eddie McClintock, and everybody went cuckoo. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, Any of those guys watch Doctor Who? Eddie? I I don't know. That's a good question. So so Peter Capaldi, I I don't know much about this guy. I haven't watched a lot of his other BBC, BBC stuff that he's apparently known for. He's a bit of an older actor. That doesn't necessarily... I mean, when we're used to... uh, Matt Smith and David Tennant; these were a bit younger, appealed to the younger actors. But uh, you know, a younger. But there's no reason why you couldn't regenerate into someone that's older, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, any thoughts on this? Yes, um, I've seen him in quite a bit, in a lot of great things, both television and film, uh, for the BBC. And he's always one of those second tier kind of characters. He's, I, 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 but in some of the things where I've seen him as as the main protagonist. He's just he really takes a lot of care into his into what he does and he's very deadpan but in a it's in a very funny kind of way. Um I, I think he's brilliant. I find him very entertaining. I find him completely believable. And after the rush of, oh my God, you just spoiled it, dude. Um it sat it kind of sunk in like, oh, this this is I can wrap my head around this doctor because I I like the way this actor takes a role and kind of and evolves it around. So this should be really neat. I'm curious. I'm curious what's going to happen and I really hope he gets to use his Scottish accent. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens when it uh, airs. That won't be out till next spring, I guess, till we actually see it here in the US. Yeah. Cuz all oh, the 50th anniversary this November or the mm-hmm. 50, and then it'll be Then we'll uh, get a Christmas special and then we'll get the season a couple months later. Yeah, something like that. So Ah, it'll be good. It'll be good. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of. You know, I, I'm neither here nor there because I don't know much about him. But here's the thing: anytime they've introduced a new doctor, I'm always like, "Oh, I'm gonna miss the old doctor. This guy's not quite gelling with me." And then after a few episodes, I'm sold on him. You know, I'm sold on the new Doctor Who, and and you know, and so I kind of, you know, I felt that way from Christopher Eccleston on. You know, mm-hmm. I like Christopher Eccleston, and then when David Tennant came on, I'm like, "Oh, he's no Christopher Eccleston." And then after a while, I was like. Well, I don't care that he's no Christopher Eccleston, and then it was Matt Smith, and then he grew on me, and mm-hmm. you know, so I'm I'm I, I I I'm not too worked up that they picked him. So, but. well, we had some uh, Under the Dome got renewed. Surprised anyone? No, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm I'm enjoying the show myself, so, and um, they already announced the season one DVDs when they'll be out. So, so it's it, going to be good. It's doing very well for CBS, yeah. Yeah. By the way, the guy that we interviewed tonight works as a transcriber for the DVDs. And so all the, all the interviews they do with the actors that go on behind the scenes before the, before the DVD comes out, he transcribes them. Oh, wow. So he, he, he's under an NDA. He can't, like, share this stuff because it's stuff, like, before the episodes airs, mm-hmm. he gets this footage. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so, so he does that for Walking Dead, for Under the Dome, and some other ones. So it's kind of cool. That, Anyways, that's a cool. Note. That's a cool job to have. That is. Well, you know, I guess if you're into transcribing, I don't think it'd be for me. But, mm-hmm. but that's, that is kind of cool. So... Uh, well, let's talk Flash. CW, uh, we, we know they have the Arrow, and Arrow is absolutely a phenomenal series. We love that. I love that series. Me too. Uh, and did you watch Arrow? 
I don't watch the arrow. Yeah, but don't judge me. Don't judge. But uh, anyways, <laughs> they are introducing into the series a reoccurring character called Flash, and the idea is to kind of spin off into its own Flash TV show. That's oh, so, nice. Yeah, so here's kind of a little bit of the idea. It's, it's going to be an origin story of Barry Allen, who will be introduced. He's going to be introduced as a recurring character on Arrow in the upcoming season, so season two. They want to kind of expand the DC universe, and um, obviously that's going to play a little bit into what they're hoping to do maybe with the Justice League movie down the line, although the TV series are often kept separate from that. Yeah, they're usually separate properties. But it'll be kind of, it'll be kind of neat to bring him in and maybe to see some other uh, uh, characters kind of uh, crop up, but that's an interesting direction. Arrow is going. I mean, because Arrow is totally played like a straight thing. I mean, you know, there's there's nobody has any real superpowers in Arrow. It's everybody. It's you know, even the villains are you know not. No, nobody has a superpower. It's just so the Flash will be kind of a departure from that. It would be a huge departure. I mean, uh, from that. So it's interesting they're going that way. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to see. I'm kind of looking forward to it. Oh, I'll definitely check it out. So no word on who will play that part. At least I don't have it here. So hopefully we'll be better than, this, than the CBS series that was on back in the early 90s. Uh, was there a Flash? There was a Flash TV series back, maybe may in as early as 90. Mm-hmm. Uh, it lasted a, bit, a season. Yeah, there was a, there was a one, though, there was a... How Whitney from Smallville, the guy who played Whitney in Smallville, did a Flash Gordon spinoff. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that kind of tanked too. But. Right. Um, all right. Well, let's move into some movie news. We have some Man of Steel sequel news. And um, and uh, I guess it's contenders on who will play Batman, really, because after all, Christian Bale's out, right? Right. And he's mm. not even listed here. Go ahead. I don't um, know. I don't know. Because as after I I was reading this stuff today, there are hints that he he hasn't completely said no. He kind of did that whole oh no no no, but maybe yes. Um, <laughs> you know, you pad his pocketbook well enough. He'll be back. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, but no, no, that's um, fine. But uh, so, so let's say that Christian Bale says, eh, "Absolutely not, I'm not going to do it." We have three other contenders here: Ryan Gosling, Josh Brolin, and Joe uh, Maganello. My, I'm probably mispronouncing his name, butchering it royally. So, who of these Maganiello. kind of yellow? Oh, thank you. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so who who of these would you wish to be the next Batman? I'm leaning towards Josh Brolin. I think having a, a, a little older Batman, uh, somebody who's been a superhero for doing a superhero thing for a little longer, would, would be cool playing up against Superman. So okay. that, that, that'd be my, my vote. How about you, Em? Well, I like Josh Brolin. He's he's very underrated as an actor. He's 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 an, he's epically strong in everything he's done. But I don't see him as that kind of iconic figure. I could definitely see Richard Armitage from The Hobbit. He was the um, kind of the lead Hobbit who now I can't remember, not lead Hobbit, the lead dwarf with the dark, dark hair and the big blue eyes. Um, He was very good. And Matthew Good from Watchmen is a little too young, but I'm leaning towards Richard Armitage. If, in fact, Christian Bale is out, out, then yes, I would. I I could get behind Richard Armitage. Yeah. Well, they're looking at making the decision. I guess here in the next few weeks, the film is slated to begin shooting in 2014, so that's next year. Mm-hmm. And so they got to make a casting decision soon, and uh, slated for release in 2015. 
Exciting. I know. Come on, Superman, Batman. This is going to be great. So, uh, Em, you threw this little story up here in a movie that I did not hear of, but when I looked at the cast, I was kind of like, hey, wait a minute here. I should be paying attention to this movie a little bit. Um, Tell us a little bit about Snowpiercer. So everything you just said was exactly what popped into my head when I saw this article. It's like, what the French? What's going on? Funny enough, French. It's So uh, Snowpiercer is a South Korean-American French sci-fi action thriller. Um, it's based on a graphic novel. I'm going to see if I can pronounce this. Hold on. Le Transpère Seigneur. No. <laughs> Le Transpère Seigneur by Jacques Loeb and Jean-Marc Rochette. Um, <laughs> Much better than I would have done. <laughs> <laughs> Two years of French. That's all I can do, people. Um, it, it, so it's a graphic novel that these guys are pulling together as a um, for a film. And the film is set in the future where, with a, where a runaway experiment to stop global warming has caused an ice age that killed nearly all the life on the planet. And the only survivors are inhabitants of the Snowpiercer, which is a massive train that travels around the planet, which is powered by a perpetual motion engine. Awesome. Over the time, a class system develops on the train. So you've got the elite people in the front and the poor people in the back. And then there's the poor people with the living conditions. They decide to revolt and seize control of the train. And it's it's crazy. So when I, I read that part and I said, well, when when can I buy my ticket? It, I, 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 winner. And then I saw the people. So Chris Evans, Tilda Swinton, Allison Pill, Jamie Bell. Just, the list goes on and on. Ed Harris, Ewan Bremer, great. Octavia Spencer, really Ian, great. Ian McKellen, um, is he in there? Ian, uh, uh, did you see? Where's he? There's a picture yeah. of him speaking. Isn't that Gandalf down there in one of the clips? <laughs> I don't know. I, he's not listed on this little article thing that we're using as a cheat sheet. Yeah. Oh, no, the fourth wall. Um, yeah, he's not. But it's the pictures were great, and there's there's links for all these little vignettes um, describing vignette, the movie. Is there a vignette we should play? Is there a trailer? All of them. All of them. Yeah, we can play all. I'll of them. tell you. I I would recommend everybody sitting down and taking a look at them, and then doing a little. Just there's a little blurb about it on this link, but the videos kind of say it all. the The one thing is, is there's interviews with the Korean actors, and they're not subtitled. Um, but there's some there with Tilda Swinton and, um, and, um, oh, I think there's one with John Hurt. It's just, it sounds amazing. It's the, today was the first time I've heard about it and I just wanted to get it out there because I think everybody should be digging around about this. Very good. I have a commercial. I hate when the web pages pop up and they give you commercials right away, but I know, right? So uh, rude. Anyways, I was looking to see if there's anything on, um, Ian McKellen in this one, and I don't see his name popping up at all, but uh, that's all right. We can look at that later. But anyways, he's a, he is in one of the video clips. But, but anyways, I'm going to have to check that out a little bit closer, and I'll throw, the, uh, I'll throw a link to the videos so you can find them on the web, website. So, well, awesome. we, had, we, had some, uh, we had some other news pop up, and uh, what in the heck is Disney doing? When you put in Next Generation, whoever put this in, I was thinking, oh, great. Now we're going to have Patrick Stewart back and LeVar Burton and <laughs> Data. And, uh, but no, what's going on here? So this is, you know, I, I've, I, I've, this is no surprise to me. But so 
Bye Bye Mickey, Disney is ready for the next generation. Mickey Mouse may turn 85 this year, but Disney watchers can be forgiven for thinking the old Sorcerer's Apprentice is still working his magic. Under CEO Bob Iger, Disney morphed from a company living off nostalgia to a cutting-edge brand that is driving traffic to its parks and appealing to a generation of new fans. Iger's latest audacious move was spending more than uh, $4.05 billion buying Lucasfilm last October. The acquisition brought Star Wars franchise into Disney's ever-growing stable of superstar brands. This week at Disney, uh, Disney's uh, hotly anticipated 2030 Annual Expo, appropriately called uh, D23, fans will get their first glimpse of what Iger and company have, made, have in store for Yoda, Darth Vader, and the Star there. Wars crew. I want to be there. Oh, I would love to be there, too. I want to be there. Oh Come on. That's one con so I want cool. to be at, D23. But that is great. Yeah, so uh, we don't know really what to expect for Star Wars uh, Episode Seven yet in mm-hmm. 2015. Boy, Batman, Superman, Star Wars that year. It's going to be a good year. But uh, it, it looks like Disney is going to try, I mean, in some ways try to reinvent itself. I mean, they're not going to rely on Mickey Mouse and the gang anymore to sort of carry them. Um and be their big money maker. Well, when was the last time they really put out a new Mickey Mouse movie? Uh, honestly, uh, it's been it's been years. So they haven't. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like they've really been riding on the coattails of that. I mean, uh, some of the anime. I mean, K Toy Story. They've milked for a while, and Monsters mm-hmm. University. They have, but but ultimately, I think there has been new material coming out. I don't. Am I wrong in this? No, you're right. There. Any Mickey Mouse specific has really been the TV shows and what's on DTV, right? And stuff that they do where they re where they take Mickey and and genre him up like they have the Star Wars Mickey and Minis, and um, they have the Toy Story dress the Mickey's and Minis dressed up like Toy Story or dressed up like genre A or genre B or like a pirate. So they've they folded them into the existing franchises, but an actual something new and interesting movie wise in in its own franchise. I don't think I've seen unless it went direct to DVD. Right. This is something interesting. Uh, we talked about this before, but back in '09, um, they spent four billion to purchase Marvel Entertainment, and at that time, there were whispers that Disney had overpaid. In, in 2012 and 2013, Marvel's The Avengers and Iron Man scored a total of 2.7 billion in worldwide box office sales. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they underpaid for it. <laughs> yeah. You got a bargain. Yeah. So. They, they, seriously, well, they got a bargain, or they just uh, they really marketed it right. I mean, they did those. When they put out those movies, they, 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 they did a good job of really representing those franchises as well. Mm-hmm. So. so I don't know how – because Universal has theme parks that are Marvel comic-centered. I don't know how – It has to be a separate entity, like the comic book or what they do with the comics and how they play into theme parks. It has to be a different thing than what they do with the movies. Yeah, I, I, I suppose that's kind of like um, – with with Star Trek, CBS owns the TV shows, Paramount owns the movies, mm-hmm. that sort well, of thing. That but has, that, that has to be a mess, uh, a so nightmare. You gonna have a, so. a good lawyer <laughs> keeping track of all that stuff? Oh my gosh! But wait, wait, wait till when, Di- when Disney wants to do their own Marvel theme park, right? Yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. That'll happen sometime. But all right, well, let's move into uh, this week in Star Trek. Well, I saw this. Somebody posted this on Facebook today, and I thought this was really interesting. So NASA funds a 3D 
pizza printer, and I'm going to have to learn more about the whole 3D printer thing. NASA has doled out a research grant to develop a prototype 3D printer for food so astronauts may one day enjoy a 3D printed pizza on Mars. Uh, Anjan Contractor, a senior uh, mechanical engineer at Systems and Material Research Corporation based in Austin, Texas, received a $125,000 grant from this space agency to build a prototype of his food synthesizer. And so this is this is a pretty cool story. Uh, why? How does it tie into Star Trek? Well, Star Trek uh, Next Generation hypothesized that that by then there would have you know these little booths in your quarters, these these food replicators or food synthesizers, whatever you call them, uh, that could basically um, could create whatever whatever dish you want on a plate. Um, not only do these replicators um, can make food for you, but clothes. Um, whatever household item you needed, so um, so this is a little closer to what what Star War, Star Trek predicted. Well, yeah, and I, I saw the uh, someone else was doing three D printing of an Aston Martin. Oh, so that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the the neat thing about that technology is that it's like an inkjet printer. So it depends on whatever is in that container. You can print with it, and it it's a polymerized, a suspension of stuff, whatever that stuff is, be it pepperoni pizza, be it Aston Martin, be it human tissue. Right. Because I'd read an article where they're using them to print molds, where if someone lost an ear, they'll print a mold of an ear and start growing. It'll, it's, the material is such that it would allow human tissues to grow on it to create the, the an actual cartilaginous ear. And if it wow. continues to work, there you know you could put in everything you need to, to do. You could put in renal tissue and print yourself a kidney, or print yourself a liver, or just it's the the applications. If they can figure out the minute science behind it, the applications are are endless. And I don't want to wait thirty minutes for my pizza. I want to print it in my living room right here. Right, yeah. right. That's right. Dominoes, right? Printed from your uh, printer. Have it in less than five. It'll minutes. almost be like the the med bay too is going to kind of become a reality when they can kind of you know replace parts and do that sort of stuff. Will be kind of cool. I got a lot of parts to replace. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so there, there's an interesting video just just telling us a little bit more about that. And um, uh, why don't I just put the link in the show notes for that? Okay. The plant. I don't have it queued up here right now, so we can put it in the show notes. But we have oh. some Star Trek three start talk, right? Yeah, so um, we got a little more information as far as who is uh, rewriting it. So who is not back as a director? Well, we he's not confirmed as as not as a director. He is confirmed as a producer, though. Um, so here, here, here's the article. It's not long. A surprising amount of movement has taken place over the past couple of hours on the third Star Trek film over Paramount Pictures. First up, it looks like the Thor scribes uh, Ashley Edward Miller and Zach Stentz will not be taking over scripting duties. Instead, scribes Alex Kurtzman, or Kurtzman Orsi are in, Robert Orsi are in negotiations to return for the third entry. Orsi and Kurtzman penned the 2009 reboot and co-wrote this year's Into Darkness with uh, Damon Lindelof. Uh, uh, but Lindelof will not be returning for this third outing. With his uh, Star Wars commitments, J.J. Abrams isn't isn't back as a director, but has begun negotiations to produce the film. Shortly after, the, there came a rumor that uh, G.I. Joe Retaliation director John M. Chu was the top candidate to take over from Abrams as director mm-hmm. of the film. The Huffington Post got in touch with uh, Chu's reps who denied the report. 
shortly after uh, <laughs> Cinematalica posted a report claiming that uh, Rupert Wyatt, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, is virtually a lock at this stage of this this game. Uh, all this comes to one of the cast. Dr. McCoy himself, Carl Urban, talked to IGN about his um, hope for the third film. Sentiments that cite the misgivings quite a few had with the Into Darkness. What I really believe we should do now is strive for originality. Because Star Trek Into Darkness, we took one of the most revered and loved adversaries of the Enterprise and put him in there and did a story that had all these wonderful nods in films for the past, episodes from the past. I really think what we should do do from here is, in my personal opinion, is strive to be original. Strive to be something different from and new. You know, let's not forget that Star Trek is as envisioned was about space exploration. And it would be really wonderful to harness the spirit of that and apply to it in the next film so that we do something different from a, uh, than a revenge-based picture. I'm okay with that. We need to, I, I, you know, let's do something new. Let's create a new villain or... Or let's create a new story, a new story with some of the familiar villains, so we aren't just rehashing. You know, let's do something with the Klingons. Let's do, but let's do a new story if we're going to do that. Yeah, I'm. Go ahead. Em. Oh no, 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 go ahead. All, all I was going to say was I did enjoy Star Trek Into Darkness. However, oh well, me too. I kind of wish they would have did something. Did what they're saying they should do for the next one is do something original yeah. uh, for the second. And then they did this last film. M. I'd be, I'd even be okay if they found another if they found another species to deal with. You know, I the Klingons piqued my interest because I liked what they did with it. But excuse me, um, but I I'm I'm I agree that it should be something original and something special. Um, the first one was incredibly different and special. They they took it to a different place where that I was not expecting. And then the second one, as much as I adore Khan, and I was very thrilled that it was Khan, and there was some role reversals, but it was a retelling of a story that we know, and that it was beautifully done. I love the film, but I want I'm with I'm with Carl Urban in so many ways. Yeah, um, I, I agree. It should be something different, original, and special. Well, you know, if you uh, if you're with Carl Urban, we probably wouldn't have you back in the show here. You know, nope, nope, no need to call. I'll <laughs> be nope. fine. I'll be fine. Okay, doctor, the doctor's there to see you. All right. Oh, uh, you know, don't I? I the lot. There's a log jam of comments I could make, so let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for giving us these stories, Miles, of Miles. this week in Star Trek. You're welcome. Um, so let's uh, move into our last promo tonight, and let's talk about Pendant Audio. And, uh, and why don't you tell us a little bit about Pendant? Pendant Audio. So Pendant Audio is a great place for all your podcasting needs. So what they've done is I found them in 2005 when I was looking for a podcast about Superman. And um, they had some ties to doing some fun audio dramas that were fan fiction driven. And then a lot of original stuff, too. Um, they've, all, they've got a, a retelling of Shakespeare, which is kind of neat. They have this great episodic uh, story about a um called the kingery about a casino in space in the future um there's just some really great fantasy doesn't really cover it there's so many options so many different genres that are being touched here with shows like genesis avalon tabula rosa um there's a really great one that i can't wait to comes back that um has a just a really kind of creepy 
<laughs> it's called Once Upon a Time in Vegas, and it's pretty much what if all of those storybook characters lived and worked in Vegas. Awesome. <laughs> So what they do is they produce these amazing original audio dramas and put them out there for the world to enjoy. Great casts, great writers, great producers, and Jeffrey Bridges, who we had on our Superman show, um, it's kind of his brainchild. And he he's there's a lot there's a lot I could say about it, but I think you should just go to pendantaudio.com or search for pendant audio on on the iTunes and check it out. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And sure. uh, yeah, it's awesome. So and there are a lot of good shows. There are many more than I have checked out for sure. So, and you, uh, you've been on a few of them. I have been on, as I look at the list, almost all of them. Oh, oh there you go. There you go. Kind of, it's fun. Like every time a script popped up, I'm like, oh, exciting. <laughs> fun. Awesome. My favorite is seminar. And I'm going to point this one out because, um, it's an opportunity if you like writing and you want to start your get your feet wet in audio drama. Um, seminar is kind of an anthology. And if you write like a little 10-page script about a story that can be creepy or interesting or funny and send that off, they'll produce it and pair it up with another show. So I wrote a show for, for it as well called The Last Straw. You could look that up. It's I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> But it's neat. So I know we've got a lot of creative listeners. And for the listeners who like to write, check out Seminar on PennantAudio.com. And you never know. It could be your name up there. It could be. Hmm. It could be. Dun, dun, dun. writer. I understand unusual not because the, the man himself is unusual, though he may be, but because we don't see a lot of this for adult fiction anymore, unless you go back into the old Infocom games and some of the other, uh, you know, climb up the stairs, you have an option, turn left, right, or for, you know, those sorts of games uh, that we have. But we haven't really seen that in literature for adults, really. Um, and so we're bringing on someone that really does choose your own adventure style stuff, but it's 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 science fiction and it's Indiana Jones and it's so much more. And so tonight we have with us Mr. Jeff McArthur, uh, the writer and creator of Relic Worlds, the series. And uh, Mr. McArthur, welcome and thank you for taking time to chat with us tonight here on the podcast. Well, and thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so let's find out just a little bit about you. It was great. Again, what here's here's what sold me when you said when you said, hey, you know, would you guys be interested in interviewing me? The YouTube video. It was a oh. choose your own adventure YouTube video, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and I know I know it's just like some coding trickery and stuff that you're just going on, but you got to click on an area and it took you to a different ending each time you did it. In fact, I would love to do that more for YouTube. The only reason I haven't done it a little bit more is just because of the visuals I would uh, need to have on YouTube to, in order for it to look really good. But it's the type of thing where if I can get 
enough visuals to make it look good, I'm, I'll probably end up doing something on YouTube. Um, because they have that option where you can click on something and it takes you to another video. And so you can put several of those and choose which one to go to. So I use it as a marketing tool for this. Yeah, and it's great. It's seriously, listeners, if you get a chance, if all you do is check out the video, you got to check it out. But seriously, check out his work as well. But this video is it's really cool because... They kind of lead you in a story, and then it's like there's three doors, and you get to choose one of the doors, and then you don't even have to choose a door. You know, there's just it was it was a real fun video, and so I really enjoyed the fact that you put that together as a pro, promotional material for your <laughs> book. So, yeah, thank you, thank you so much. Yeah. So let's find out just a little bit about you before we get into Relic Worlds, because obviously that's why we're here. I want to learn a little bit more about you. Um, okay. What what drew you into adventure science fiction. Yeah, that's what I'm going to call it. That, that's a really good way of putting it. You know what? I mean, really, when it comes right down to it, it's just what my generation grew up with. I'm 42, and the, uh, you know, my, my second movie I ever saw was Star Wars. And, of course, I went with that generation who, who, as little kids, we had Star Wars and we had Raiders of the Lost Ark, and those were our biggest influences. Whatever else we've gotten into since then, those were, like, the biggest influences. So, of course, as, as I've grown up, those were the, the big things that I always, you know, want to do stuff with. And I got to thinking, hey, this would be a really good mixture to have the whole adventure and science fiction, you know, in space. Because, I mean, there are so many... Uh, op- there are so many possibilities in space. Uh, you're not just dealing with thousands of years of human civilization. You're literally dealing with millions of years. Uh, and so you can do so much more. And so I just kind of got excited with that idea. You know, I see a little bit of Stargate in here, too. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Uh, and, I, and I say that only because each week they went through the gate and they explored a new world. And in some right. of these worlds were ancient civilizations that had gone on long before, oh, and, yeah. and, they, and they, so they kind of explore it that way. Uh, not uh, different, obviously, but but I right. didn't think about it just as you were talking about it, that. There's a little bit of that influence, uh, a little bit more modern than what you were talking about. But did you have any <laughs> literature uh, or, or writing influences as you uh, took up writing? Yeah, you know, yeah. As writing in general, I, to this in particular, I don't know that there were so much writing things, but in general, I've got uh, my influences. I mean, Tolkien, of course, was a big one. That's in you know more in fantasy and that sort of thing. Um, you know, I, I, in some ways, though, I'm a little bit lame of a writer because I usually am better at naming the the, the books themselves. I don't so much have the writers so much as the individual books that I'm a bigger fan of. Okay. And uh, yeah, so so what are some of the books? Oh, like Dune. I love the not only the original Dune series, but the new Dune series, or, or relatively new, okay. um, the, of the prequels. Uh, are those the ones space. with Kevin J. Anderson? Is that right? Oh, let's see. Let me, just a second. Let me just lean over. Yeah, lean over yeah. to your bookshelf there. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, um, oh, just a second. Frank, Frank Herbert's son. And actually, let me just grab it. There we go. For, for that, book? Lean, had to lean over to my book stuff here. Brian Herbert and Kevin... Yeah, Kevin J. Anderson. There we go. Okay, like right I here. say, I, I'm kind of lame in that regard in that right. I oftentimes don't know the names of uh, the writers so much as I should, being yeah. a writer myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed the uh, the first three Dune books, and I really didn't make it beyond them. I got into other oh. things, but... Yeah. You know, I read a lot of nonfiction as well. That's one of those odd things that... Because uh, I write both nonfiction and fiction. I kind of write all over the board, whatever I'm most interested in. Right. Um, and so a lot of the histories... Uh, oh, uh, man, I'm drawing blank right now. Um, the Civil War series is one of my absolute favorites by uh, um, Shelby Foote. 
uh, those types of things. So, um, anyway, it's about anything that just catches my interest. I happen to see it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to grab that and put it in. Right. Either listen to it or read it type of thing. Now, the fact that you uh, chose, at least with the the Relic Worlds, to do uh, your own kind of choose-your-own-adventure novels, did you read a lot of the choose-your-own-adventure books growing up as a kid? Did you uh, read are the R.L. Stein ones that came along a little bit later on? I did, actually. That's actually what I should be saying in terms of influences, because, yeah, that, uh, in fact, that's really what got me into reading. Um, I'm so much of a person who wants to be a part of it, to inter- interact, um, that the idea of being able to choose where the story went very much intrigued me. And I read, man, at least half of them uh, that came out. Oh, there in a lot, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, every time we'd go on a trip, we'd go, you know, our family would drive on trips, and I'd just take a bunch of these things. And they've actually had a reprint of them, and I bought a bunch of them. And, uh, yeah, they're huge influences. I love those books. Yeah, they're great. They're great. I read a bunch of them, too. I, uh, in fact, I had a bunch in my classroom, and they slowly disappeared. I'm a school teacher by day, and um, they slowly disappeared over the years. Kids just take them. But, uh, but, they're, uh, <laughs> but, they're, but, I, but I'm excited because they read them. You know, even you know, yep. even even seniors will pick them up and just read them because they're just they're fun reads. So exactly, I mean that's the thing is is it. I mean, as far as kids are concerned, it gets them into it. It's uh, it's one of the things that I, I look at and I just say, hey, you know, if you're trying to get your kid to read and they're having difficulty reading, sometimes it's just purely because the kid wants to be involved with the story, and these allow them to get them any choose your own adventures allow their kids to the, the, the kids to get into them. And as for adults, I mean, we. There's just something about being involved in the story. It just, I think people enjoy interacting, especially in today's world where people now are used to being able to put comments. They don't just watch something, they comment on it. Right. Um, so I think interaction is a really good idea. And that's why we wanted to make sure to bring it to the Kindle because a lot of people are reading on that, not even getting the physical one. So, I, you know, we really work to make sure that it, uh, we can get that interactivity on the Kindle. Oh, it's great because you don't need to like hunt for pages now. You just click a link and psh, you're there. Yep. Which, you know, oddly, it was it was hard to do. I thought it was going to be easy. And then once I got into the Kindle, it was like, oh, there are no page numbers. So we can no longer say, you know, go to this page or whatever. So this friend of mine named Brent McKibben uh, came up with the technique. And he for him, it was very simple. He just went up. He's like, oh, here you go. He wrote the code, sent it over to me. And and that's it. And you just now can uh, go on the Kindle. And instead of going to a page number, like you say, you just push, a, you know, you see your different options and you press it. And you go to that that uh, area, and it continues the story. Very good. Uh, any any science fiction or fantasy that you're enjoying right now, either on TV, movies, or reading? Well, the, the as I say, the Dune prequels. Actually, I'm currently going through. Um, let's see that I'm watching right now. I've been wa- I'm waiting for the next uh, Walking Dead. I've been all. <laughs> frustrated that it hasn't come out on Netflix yet because right. everybody else knows and actually I, I, I work transcription during the day and I actually uh, transcribed a, a lot of the interviews so I actually know a lot of what, what happened I've had to keep my mouth shut as the series was going because I was under a you know, contract not to say anything um, but now I'm like I want to see all that stuff and what happens and everything um, you know unfortunately I spend so much time though creating that I oftentimes am not watching as much as I uh, or reading or watching as much as I'd like to so oftentimes I don't even know it's people will say oh yeah this is coming I'm like oh yeah that's right I haven't even seen a movie since like February wow. or I mean in a theater I haven't seen a movie right. I've watched them on TV or whatever right so you transcribe interviews during the day tell me about that Oh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it'll be very little, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, it's uh, the different shows, particularly 
you know, like DVDs when they do the extras, the interviews with all the actors and all that sort of thing behind the scenes. Um, they have unedited footage and they, they, the interviews. And what they do is they send the video interview, unedited video interview to me. I transcribe the whole thing and then onto uh, Word. And then I send that document on to the editor. And the editors use that to, to essentially edit so they can search for certain words and all that sort of thing. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's basically my day so, job. So, as a result, I get to see behind the scenes a lot of times. So, right now, I'm doing behind the dome or under the dome. Oh, wow. Anyway. So, you know what's going to happen way before we hear it. Or watch. Yep. Nice. It's a good show, by the way, if you get a chance to check it out. But. It is. My girlfriend, actually, she works at CBS, and she, yeah, she's been working parts of that as well and coming home every now and then going, oh, we got to watch it tonight. Because she knows what's about, you know, what to happen, and she, she she sees clips, but she can't say what it is. But then, you know, she and she doesn't see the whole thing, but she sees just enough to be like, okay, I gotta know what happens next. She'll come home and. <laughs> oh, fun, fun, fun! All right, well, let's uh, so let's talk just a little bit here about uh, Relic World and the your main explorer here. So tell us a little bit about the concept, and then introduce us a little bit to the character and a little bit about what's been going on. Okay, well, the uh, the idea overall of Relic Worlds is essentially it's this anthropologist who is going to, uh, the, he's searching the ruins of distant planets in search for these uh, valuable relics uh, or powerful relics um, that could answer, like, the uh, questions of the universe type of a thing. So it's kind of this adventure in space, um, searching for these different things. And that's so, sort of the overall uh, story. And it's been go- being told as a series of short stories then you have things like Choose Your Own Adventure Books. I have a couple of games online. It's all at relicworlds.com. And you have these uh, various things. And now there's a novel that's going to come out about that. And then there's going to be some more um, Choose Your Own Adventures. Um, it's, yeah, the, the basic idea of the series is supposed to be that he's trying. There are all these lost alien civilizations. Humans have found themselves alone in the galaxy as they've moved out into the, uh, onto other planets. They can't. They haven't found any other aliens, but they found the remains of like these different cities, different civilizations, that sort of thing. Um, and most of the time, because it's all sort of corporate run, there aren't countries anymore. It's all corporate run. They all just build on top of them. It's like, oh, okay, we don't care about that. But there's a few people who've become interested, including our hero Lancaster James, who's actually going into and going, who were these aliens, and why they all disappear, and could the same thing happen to us? Whatever happened to them? might still be out there. And so he's, put, he's finding all of these relics and, or artifacts and all that sort of thing and putting them as clues together to kind of solve the mystery of what happened to them while meanwhile all these other antagonists are coming along and wanting to get those same artifacts because they have powers to them, you know, stuff like that. And they can use them in wars against each other and stuff. Okay. Very so. good. So how, and how are they traveling um, between worlds here? Uh, in, in, you know, in their ships, I have the, I developed this idea called um, spectrum drive, which is the idea that uh, you know we all live within the realities of the electromagnetic spectrum. I know that you know the physicists and all that will have a lot of their their own specifics, but the idea in this is that there's kind of like another dimension of different spectrum, electromagnetic spectrum, and gravity, and et cetera, et cetera, and they're able to use that to you know, to, to kind of zip into there and they use gravity instead of having some, some kind of thrust to zip to each other. This other dimension has strong forms of gravity in these different areas. So if you know how to navigate, you can grab onto the correct gravity that pulls you uh, to a certain area and then you come back into, into our universe and that's how you go beyond light 
travel. That's sort of how I get around that the oh, whole well, lot travel fun. thing. It's fun to explore. So, so that's awesome. <laughs> now, uh, you. you you made this world for us an interactive experience, and it's not just interact. We were talking about a choose your own adventure, but you said you have games and there's stories. Um, do the stories? I guess first of all, do the stories all link together? They do. Uh, it's meant to be both episodic, but also the type of thing where if you go along, you could read one and just enjoy the one. But if and you could, you could even go into like the fifth one and you know and still enjoy it. You don't need all the others to get to it. But if you do read them in order, you get a series of things going on. I mean, one thing leads to another, leads to another, uh, and you can also sort of start putting them in because I have a, I've created it as a mystery. I have the ending figured out. And so there are little bits and pieces that are being fed in all of these different short stories, and especially the novels, so that and even in the in the um, oh in the choose your own adventures, there are uh, little clues here and there that if people are reading them all, they're going to start figuring out. They might be able to figure out the answer before Lancaster gets to them. Oh, and that's kind of fun. So you you uh, so you have an end in mind for the series. Yes, well, at least for this particular part of the series. The series itself is probably one of those endless things that could go on forever. I mean, he could keep solving more mysteries, but the mystery that he's currently on, like the big thing that he's trying to figure out about this group called the Segarans, and he's trying to kind of solve what... What because they seem to be in all these different epochs, all the or epochs or whatever. They these all these different alien races had lived at different times, sometimes millions of years apart from each other. But the Sagirans kept appearing in all these different ones. Mm-hmm. So he's sort of studying them in particular and trying to figure out what happened with them. Um, and so that particular one's going to be solved. The, the Choose Your Own Adventure series or Pick Your Path, as I call them. He focuses on this group called uh, the Zaborno, and that's going to resolve within this the series, the, the the series of five Choose Your Own Adventures. But that also has little bits and pieces that then relate to the Sagirans as well. So that is sort of like little mysteries within the big one. And then after a few years, I'm going to solve the big one. But the series might continue with other, you know, depending on how many people are interested. I might continue with like another, okay, there's another big alien race that he's trying to solve type of right, thing. type of thing. Now, uh, like your typical choose adventures, can you pick a path that you end up dying on? Oh, no, the, the Choose Your Own Adventure ones are the only ones where you actually can choose those. The other ones are just short stories where it's just here's the story, you know, that sort of but thing. I guess, I guess what I'm asking is within the Choose Your Own Adventure. Oh, you, in. Yeah, with, within the Choose Your Own Adventure itself, can you pick a path that you eventually, you know how you oh. choose your own adventure? Like you've, you've died or, you know, you have to start <laughs> over type thing. Yep. In fact, actually, I had to be told by uh, what I sent it out to a few different editors and stuff. And one of them told me, you know, you got to pull the uh, graphic nature of some of these death scenes down because I had them <laughs> dying in some really horrific ways. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> OK, yeah. so well, very cool. Um, you know, and, and then you just kind of back up to the last turning point, and make a different decision, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in the, in the thing itself, it gives you a button. It takes you back to the beginning. Um, but I believe in Kindle, you can actually just push a back button and it just goes back to the last kind of area. Which is it nice. Should... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you don't have to reread the whole thing. Well, I guess you can kind of skip through to get to it too, but, um, yeah. uh, yeah, exactly. so how many, how many, uh, so you said there's five choose your own adventure books. Is that correct? Yeah, well, there are three that are done now. I'm going to do the other two after uh, the novel. I wanted to, to first see how these three were doing. I just had them available, and it was like I wanted to get them out, especially once we were able to do it on Kindle. I wanted to be sure to get it out before. Because I think that's going to happen a lot now that the technology is out there. I think 
there's going to be a flood of these things. So I wanted to make sure to get them out before the flood is out there. Right, absolutely. Uh, so I'll get back to the other two probably late this year, maybe early next year. Oh, very good. Very good. So there's three out. And what are the names of these three? Oh, they are Mystic Island is the first one. Uh, the second one is The Lost City. And the third one is The Mystic Orb. Very good. Very good. And you have a novel, and the novel is expected out when? I, I'm trying to get it out by October. At latest, it's going to be December. Okay. All right. And do you have a title for that? Yeah. Right now, it's called uh, Lancaster James and the Search for the Promised World. Uh, there, that might slightly change, but it's always going to be Relic Worlds colon, you know, Lancaster James and, uh, you know, whatever. But this would probably be the Search for the Promised World is the idea. Or is, is what I'm thinking. Because the idea essentially is that he finds something uh, at the beginning that there is this quote-unquote promised world that uh, these aliens were trying to get to. And for the rest of the book, it's him trying to find that world. Okay. Now, um, obviously they're available on Kindle. Are, they, are these uh, Choose Your Adventure books uh, going to be available in any other format? You know, I'm going to try to get the, the problem right now is that uh, for us independent publishers, the way to get them onto things like Barnes and Noble, you know, it's really funny is that, that, that Amazon has been very friendly to the independent publishers. And you hear about all these other places complaining about Amazon and how, you know, the difficult business practices, and stuff, et cetera. But then they continue to make it very, very difficult for us to get it, you know, our stuff onto their readers or onto their shelves or anything like that, while Amazon makes it very, very friendly. So I'm just sitting there going, well, you know, if, if you you know, if you want to compete with Amazon, make it as easy as them. Amazon made it extremely easy for me to put it up on the Kindle. The other places, I can get it up through Smashwords, which has been very helpful to the independents. But these other companies, such as Sony and, and Barnes and & Noble and all of them, they're so nitpicky about their for, the formatting to go onto their readers that... I can't get this to work on their readers. Mm. Uh, or actually, rather, I can get it to work on a reader so I can give it away. But I, in order to get it to, onto their shelves, they have a very nitpicky, you know, I'll, I'll sit there and go, look, it actually works on a reader. I can actually put it on this reader and it works. But they're like, yeah, but you have to follow this other format for us to put it on the shelf. I'm like, but that format doesn't work with <laughs> Choose Your Own Adventure. Right. So, you know, so unfortunately, it's because of them that it's not available. I absolutely want it to be. And once they can make their make it so we can work. And I've emailed them and they won't respond. So once they will get back to me uh, and work this out, then they'll absolutely be available on others. They, my novels and everything are all available on Barnes & Noble and, you know, Apple, etc. Right. Now, uh, can they? Can people order uh, print copies of any, any of these? Yes. It's all available on Amazon and okay. it's all Relic Worlds colon. And if you just do that and enter, all of it comes up. Or you can also go to the relicworlds.com website. Uh... Yeah, or um, uh, yeah, you just go to Kindle or whatever, and it should be up there. Oh, oh very good. So um, I, your website has a ton of information um, <laughs> be, beyond, beyond just the fact that you can access the books and even read portions or examples of it. Uh, is there anything else that they can go and experience about the, the whole Relic World saga beyond the Choose Your Own Adventure and the novel? Oh, yeah, yeah. Basically, just exactly what you're saying. The uh, Relic World site, uh, essentially, you just go there and you have uh, these whole list of the different short stories. You can just, uh, and the short stories are all free. So you can just go there and, you know, get a sense of the storyline. Then the ones that cost a little bit, it actually will say on it, you know, you have to, you know, buy those. But then you can go and, uh, yeah, you have a, 
a web or a um, site where it's the galaxy and it's a whole interactive thing you can kind of explore. And it's, it's I kind of used a map that is supposed to be a real map of a, the, the nearby part of our galaxy. And there's like these different stars where it says, okay, here is this, and you click on it, and it, it gives information about that star and the planet and the characters that are there. Uh, I have information about the aliens, and I'm filling that out as the story goes along. So instead of it being, here's all the information about the aliens, it's what we curr- what the characters currently know about these aliens. And then, you know, as the short stories progress, that that section is going to continue to fill out and et cetera. And then there's a game section. Actually, we're going to have a board game sometime soon. I'm working with Victory Point Games uh, to do this one called The Lost Worlds. And that, sh- I'm hoping they'll get it out by Christmas. Uh, it should be. Um, and there's like a video game called The Maze Game. So in- anyway, all of that is on um, on the website. And it's, yeah, just a ton of stuff I'm always filling out. All right. They gave me good geocaching, I see. Oh, yeah. You know, I need to actually uh, get back to adding that because I'm a big geocacher myself. I even have a show called Geo Hunters on YouTube uh, where and I was originally started as a promotion to Relic Worlds because it's the the same idea. You go out, you go searching. So, you know what geocaching is. Yes. So, yeah. In fact, you can get apps for it now. You know, you Mm -hmm. just you you look up GPS coordinates and they give you a proximal location where the item is. You have to hunt for it. That's exactly yeah exactly. So it's like it's being such, your, it's, it is like being Indiana Jones for yourself, kind of. That's exactly right. So yeah, I was just like, hey, this is the perfect kind of promotion for that. So I'll try to get the geocaching people by doing some uh, uh, some of these shows. But that kind of led to a whole show in and of itself. And now we're actually doing some uh, webisodes, and we're you know it's turning into a whole show of its own. Um, but uh, you, one thing that I did wrong was when I did the geo caching initially is I made them way too complex and so nobody was doing them um, so I need to go out again and actually put up some new geocaches out there that are a little you know are a little simpler very so, good um, very good well thanks Jeff so much for sitting out and chatting with us tonight before we go can you again just give people the website where they can find out more about you know Lancaster James uh, or and then also uh, your Amazon page sure it is uh, www.relicworlds.com is the main site for all the stuff. And then if you could go to Amazon, you just put in uh, Relic Worlds, and really it just about everything then pops up. If you just put in Relic Worlds, then everything should be. Of course, you can put Relic Worlds colon and then The Lost City or Mystic Island or, you know, or even just put in Pick Your Path. All of them will, uh, will pop up. Awesome. Oh, and, we're, and remember, we're also available on all the others as well. Just the Choose Your Own Adventures are the only things that are not available on, uh, you know, Barnes and Noble and you know all of those. So, uh, the no- so the, and they're just available for the Kindle, right? The Choose Your Own. Yeah, those are only on the Kindle, but everything else is available on on other things. Awesome, awesome. Well, again, thank you so much, Jeff, for sitting down and chatting with us here in the Sci-Fi Diner. Thank you. Ready for dessert? The Sci-Fi Five and Five, where we bring you the top five, the worst five of anything in science fiction or fantasy, in five minutes or less. All right. Well, Sci-Fi Five and Five tonight, since you, Miles. 
are fresh back from shore leave and you too am uh you guys had some moments that you wanted to give us we often do this after we've been to a con what are our top five moments at the con mm-hmm. and so why don't you go ahead and get us started miles all right uh number five um seen many many great costumes from star trek to movie classics like the fifth element um you name it it was there i mean this is not the biggest con compared to other cons but very respectable as far as some great costumes I saw there. Any any one stand out in particular? Um, yeah, Lilo from Fifth Element. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, well, there's there, there's a story. I mean, y- you don't all get off. I asked if I could take a picture, and, and she, her and her friend who was dressed up as Darth Vader graciously allowed me to. But uh, then she said, um, "Oh, can you um, send it to me?" It's like. You're giving me your phone number. <laughs> this is, uh, yeah. <laughs> but she just wanted the picture. It was no right, picture. Right, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. She's trying to pick you, you up. You have a very Miles. trusting face, Miles. I, know. I, I, I guess. Like I guess. A puppy. I guess yeah. that's it. I mean, so <laughs> how about you, Adam? Did you have a uh, favorite uh, cosplay character? So many good ones. There were a lot of great Doctor Who's. There was this one little girl dressed up like um, who, I can't remember which one it is. The Doctor with the big long scarf. She looked adorable. And Miles took a picture of Doctor Pooh. Someone who was in a Winnie the Pooh outfit dressed like the doctor. I saw that. Epic. That's That's just, I, I love the creativity. It's, That's it's awesome. It's, it was cute. It was awesome. Uh, okay. Number four on my list, uh, great panels. Not not only do you have the guests to do their sessions, but it, the panels are a great opportunity for you to to meet with other your fellow fans on – a lot of stuff there. I mean, your favorite sci-fi show, your favorite sci-fi character, uh, writing seminars. Uh, Keith DeCanada was giving a uh, self-defense course. That's right. I yeah, I, w- I wish I'd have known that. I would have maybe checked into that. Um, You're intimidating enough, Miles. You'll need that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Keith's a black belt, so you, right, you, you right. always learn something. Um, and um, podcasting. So if you want to learn how to do something, there's things here at this con that that. That, that they have. So was that the panel you were on about podcasting? Right. Mm-hmm. You were on with Jay Smith. Uh, Jay didn't make it this weekend, so it was just just Wayne and myself. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah, Shore Leave has fantastic. Uh, um, Any panel that really stuck out to you that you really enjoyed? Um, th- this panel just sort of um, was. I didn't realize there, there, there's a lot of hate for Star Trek Into Darkness, and uh, they had an author's panel for uh, Star Trek Into Darkness Friday night, and I was just like, wow. I mean, um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, uh, but th- that, that stood out to me. <laughs> okay. How about for you, Em? Any panels that you attended Sunday that stood out to you? I didn't get a chance to attend a panel, but I did find the um, the people who ran the panel called Geek Girl Phenomenon and had a little chat with them. and. Um, one of the things that kind of struck with me is that they called it a phenomenon, like it's new and it could possibly end like the Justin Bieber phenomenon, although right. God knows when that'll end. Right, right. Um, Can't be soon enough. No, I know. <laughs> so I, like I, if they, I've told them if they're going to hold that panel again, wherever, I'd like to be a part of it because I don't see it as a, as a, as a phenomenon. I see it as an awakening that it's much more prevalent that the girls are swinging open their, their geek closet doors and coming out with their Princess Leah buns and their Doctor Who scarves and They've always been there. Right. They've always been there. So that was really neat, and they were really amenable to that. So right. who knows? Yeah, who knows? Cool. Uh, number three? Um, they had great guests this year, um, a diverse group of people from all many of our favorite sci-fi shows. Uh, they surely outdid itself this year. They, I mean, they, they, they got William Shatner. Um, they, right. They said, we're not the Connicats, the Shatners, and, and Stewarts of the world. Well, this year they did. 
Uh, I didn't get to go because I didn't buy my ticket in time, but um, I, I heard it was enjoyable. Uh, but um, ha- had great time, um, you know, talking with uh, Eddie McClintock and a great time talking with uh, Amanda Tapping. We interviewed a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, we only There were three that we didn't interview, Spiner, Saul, and uh, Shatner. But we got a bumper from Saul. Right, we got a bumper from Saul. So, but uh, Saul, you know, Saul was very nice about it. He just said, "You know, what? I think I'm going to be too busy this weekend. If I'm at another con, you know, so that, that's cool. That's fine." Um, but um, but he was out there taking pictures with people, uh, and this is going to lead off into my next um, my next one. Um, the didn't get to many of the guest sessions because I was working trying to get interviews, but the ones I did were very enjoyable. Uh, Brent Spiner is great on stage. He is just funny. Mm-hmm. He does a mean Patrick Stewart or Ian McKellen impression. <laughs> oh, I have video of that. I'll email it to you. Oh, I'm sorry. You I completely forgot that I had that. Oh, oh yeah, we, 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 we so need that. Yeah. We do. And M can attest to this. Uh, Andy McClintock and Saul Rubinick uh, were great on stage together. Precious. Um, both had great stories. Uh, Eddie was talking about how he got the um, Warehouse 13 job. Um, he went into more detail about that. It was just very serendipitous. Um, uh, that they had, I'll just tell you really quick. They had a bunch of the um, uh, Peters and a bunch of the Micas, and um, he was bummed out. And um, Joanne Kelly, who plays Micah, she said, well, "What's wrong? What's going on?" And just he was just um, just talking to her. And then um, so they do their read, and, and she flubs a line. The, the, the word is uh, uh, "showboat." She says "showbot." So Eddie just starts going into, he starts playing, ro- doing the, the, the robot dance or whatever. And so she just punches him and goes, yell, dude, come on. And, uh, <laughs> well, this impresses the, the casting director. And he goes, you know what? That's our, you know, that, 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 that that's our Pete and Micah. Yeah, that's our show, <laughs> you know. And so just by acting a little goofy, you know, they got the gig. And so... That he was totally just, plays along with his character because that's the type of character he is. That, that and that's that's the way he was at the con too. He was if if you're at a con and he's a guest, you know, be sure to say hi to him. He, he he's great. He is very very kind and generous with with his time with you. So as a fan, was, was he your favorite guest at the show, or is this uh, is that a pretty difficult thing to put your finger? It's on? It's a difficult thing to put my phone. He he would definitely be up there. It would definitely you know. Um, I, I, I will, I'll definitely speak well of him. I mean, as far as what I, you know, what, what my experience with him at the con. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Em? Any uh, any favorite guests? Well, I, Eddie McClintock was adorable, and um, I missed the opportunity to chat with him for the interview. But um, Miles very sweetly took me up there, and I had my oh my god, you're Eddie McClintock moment. Mm-hmm. And then we were chatting, and I mentioned something about watching the show with my dad, and I I spoke about my dad in the past tense, and he was like, "Well, what do you mean? Is he not with us?" And he started asking. He like stood up and like looked right at me. Is he okay? And I said, "Well, you know, he passed away." And he oh, from what? And we had a little chit chat, and then he gave me the best hug in the world. <laughs> and it was one of those hugs, like, not where your shoulders barely touch and your bodies are far away, but like a genuine, and I saw him do that with everyone. And uh, all everybody was like that. Amanda Tapping was like that. And Neil was super sweet. And But when Eddie and I took a picture and I had my hand around his waist, all I could think about were his abs. <laughs> <laughs> he was, it, he's just a genuine, they were all incredibly generous genuine people and I loved it yeah well you know it, it, one of the things that surely I think even Farpoint would say is they get the people in that they know are going to be very personal to, to, for the most part 
to the guests that come to the uh, to the people that attend the, the cons. And so it's not surprising you get people that interact with the crowd like Amanda does, like Eddie does, because that's kind of the goal. That's kind of the goal of these conventions. Yeah. So. Eddie and Amanda were super fan-friendly to everybody. And uh, very. I mean, Em and I, we, we, we interviewed them, talked to them, and they were really super cool to us. Yeah, very mm-hmm. good. Oh, and you're number one, Miles. Uh, well, two number ones. I have two number ones. I can't, you know, seeing our old friends John, John Heather, and Lou, um, and, and, and Neil, and, and others. Just people we only get to see if we're lucky twice a year. And um, but it's always we always have a great time. We always have a great reunion, catching up, and uh, so you know, John, if you're listening to this, uh, just a shout out to you and and, and you, you Heather and uh, Lou and Neil also. And I have another number one because uh, this, you just can't. You know, five is just not enough. Uh, finally meeting our third co-host in person. Em, it was just so great. I had a great time with you on Sunday. We, we, oh, bless. <laughs> you, you, you're, you're, you're awesome. I mean, and, and you, you were just totally cool about all, all the hoops we had to jump over to get our interviews and stuff. And just so patient, just so cool about the whole thing. So, uh, but no, we, we, we had a good time. It was, it was fun geeking out and stuff. Uh, I had a blast. I had an absolute blast. And I was telling Miles, just I'm so thrilled to be a part of this group. It's really, you know, I'm a, I was a fan. And, like, now I'm on the show. What up, yo? It's just, it's hilarious to me. And I was just, I was very fangirly at the, when I met Miles. I was like, that's Miles. <laughs> that's so cool. And, and I was that way the first time I met you, Scott, too. I was like, oh, my God, that's Scott. That's so cool. And it's really just, I'm so lucky. And it, it really made it, I was so nervous about doing all of this and miles made it like nah it's all right it's like making a peanut butter jelly sandwich it's fine well, it is. He didn't, it, is. it so. just it was real. it was easy to be comfortable with it because miles was comfortable with it and it was it was just fun endless amounts of fun well, you know i thought about that miles was sharing about how you're kind of like a bit nervous when you got into the interviews and stuff i remember when we did our first interview with vanessa angel mm-hmm. and how crazy nervous i was about that and then we ended up blowing the interview you know, and then so it just put it on. But but after a while, by the time we, you know, Robert Ricardo was that first year. Uh, I think, you know, interviewing Melly from Dollhouse absolutely was a wonderful experience. She was totally cool to us, yeah. Um, and then uh, there were some others, Clifton Collins. Christopher was, Hired yeah, all, yeah. Yeah, there was a bunch that we just, we had an hour, just wait, uh, we had an hour and a half interview that we did with them. And it just made it. It just made it easier and you realize that these people are, are humans, too. They just have extraordinary jobs, but like you said, they put their pants on the same time, same way we do. I'll help Eddie with his pants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Is that out loud? Yes, that's why. I'm recording it. And so, so um, we, uh, yeah. Well, we should wrap up the show there. And uh, But uh, thank you for sharing those five moments. My pleasure. Anything else stick out for you, Em? No, Miles nailed it on the head. It was perfect. Very awesome. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. As always, if you want to give us your Sci-Fi 5 and 5, anything that you are a fan of or maybe even not a fan of, we would love to hear from you. You can email them to us or call them in, and we'll get the, give you that information here at the end of the show. I believe that's about it. All right. Till next time, good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Everybody do your dailies. Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food and the service and the conversations. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about, or tell us what you're watching or reading, flip open your communicators and contact us at 1-888-508-4343. 
or click the SpeakPipe link at scifidinerpodcast.com or send an MP3 or typed email to scifidinerpodcast at gmail.com. You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash diner. We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show. If you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation, you can always throw some coins in the tip jar at sci-fi diner podcast.com. <laughs>